Welcome to Dinger Derby, the only podcast completely devoted to Texas Tech baseball. Join your host, Keith Patrick, every week for team news, guests, ranking updates, and game reports from opening weekend all the way through Omaha. We'll be hitting taters with the Red Raiders all season long. This is Dinger Derby. Welcome into the Dinger Derby podcast, the only podcast devoted 100% to Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. Well, it was a weekend that was just what the doctor ordered for the Red Raiders as the Baylor Bears came to town, ranked number one in the Big 12 Conference, and they head out of town, dropping down into the second place spot. Texas Tech rises into the third place spot, tied with West Virginia. Texas Tech now 8-7 and seven in the conference. 25 and 13 overall on the season and now Oklahoma State has moved into the lead with a 10 and 5 record in the Big 12 conference and they'll be heading to town next weekend to face the Red Raiders. So Texas Tech really doing what they needed to do. I'd mentioned on the podcast before, I felt like this was do or die time. This was an opportunity to hit the meat of the Big 12 schedule and you needed to hit it running and they hit it with a couple of haymakers. So really excited for what we saw from the Red Raiders this weekend. I'll talk to you a little bit more about that. But first, I want to jump in and mention one thing really quickly. If you listen to last week's podcast, you know I had some strong and choice words for the guys from D1Baseball.com. And not surprisingly, they were not really pleased with what I had to say. That turned into some Twitter beefs and some conversations there back and forth. But when it comes down to it, I've said what I think. I've said what I believe. It hasn't changed one bit. My feelings, especially towards Aaron Fit, of being unprofessional and not understanding what it is I had to say as far as the responsibility of journalism versus the responsibility of being an activist. He proved that over and over with his words in responding to me and others. I will give credit to Kendall Rogers. He did reach back out to me. This was Friday evening, and I was actually at the Texas Tech game, so I kind of ended that conversation because Texas Tech was making their move and walking off a game, so I was more interested in that for sure. But he did reach out. He did ask for clarification. We did have a professional back and forth there with some good points made. Overall, this was never about what someone believes or doesn't believe is right for college baseball. This was always about the way that this has been presented, the attacks that have been made on athletic directors and anyone that did not agree with the position of D1Baseball.com when it came to this vote. I find that disturbing. Activist journalism can be dangerous when you are presenting one side of an argument as the right and true way to do things and ignoring the other side. And even when you do talk to the other side and hear their views, you then use that viewpoint, those words as ammunition and you lambast them for their reasoning. I find that really disturbing. I think it's a dangerous precedent to set. I know this is just college baseball. It's just sports reporting. Sports reporting has always been a little bit murky when it comes to ethics and involvement and opinion, but I just did not appreciate the way it all went down. But all that being said, I still stand by my words. I appreciate all of you that have been supportive on Twitter, and otherwise, I appreciate those that listen and I do look forward to having more spirited conversations in the future. I'm sure they will come. But let's talk about some Texas Tech baseball. So the series against the Baylor Bears started on Thursday. It was a Thursday through Saturday series because of the Easter weekend. 
Baylor came to town, came out of the gates fairly hot. Both teams were scoreless in the first. Baylor hopped in in the second with a three-run second. Texas Tech answered with a couple runs, and you felt like things might be going okay there. And then suddenly, Baylor hopped out with four in the third. Texas Tech answered with only one, two more in the fourth. No answer from the Red Raiders. So the Bears are leading 9-3 to heading into the fifth inning, and it's really not looking great for Texas Tech. They were struggling finding any sort of answer on the mound that could hold down the Bears. It was a start for Erickson Landing. He only went two and two-thirds. He allowed seven hits, six runs. He had a walk and then only one strikeout, also two hit batsmen. So you have three free passes there from Lanning in his two and two-thirds innings. Caleb Freeman comes in, does not have much better of a time. One and a third innings pitch, three hits, three runs allowed, one walk, one strikeout. He doesn't hit anybody, have any wild pitches, but not a great outing for him either. Unfortunately, the hits that he allowed, he did allow home runs. Hunter Dobbins came in for two and a third after that, and then things started to shut down, and ultimately it was John McMillan with four innings pitch that turned in the best performance of the day. One hit, one run, one walk, four strikeouts. John McMillan looked really good. Unfortunately, he gets the loss. He's 0-2 on the season, but McMillan really did a strong job for the Red Raiders. He's had a couple of really solid relief outings recently. So all of a sudden, Texas Tech comes in down 9-3, and then they start to storm back. They score four in the bottom of the fifth and another run in the sixth. Baylor answers with one run in the seventh, Red Raiders with two in the eighth. Ultimately, everyone stays scoreless the rest of the way, and so we go into extra innings tied up at 10. So unfortunately, in the 11th, the Bears are able to hit a one-out double to right field and then move their man around to score with a single to center field. Their half of the inning ends with a 4-6-3 double play. The Red Raiders get Cameron Warren aboard with a walk. He's the leadoff man, so he has a leadoff walk. A sack bunt moves him around to second. Then unfortunately, Cole Stilwell pops out to first base and Parker Kelly strikes out. To end the game, Red Raiders' comeback bid falls just a little bit short. But I'll tell you what I saw in that game and what I feel now. That was a turning point. And I think if the Red Raiders do continue doing what we saw the rest of the weekend, this may be a game we look at down the road and think that there was a turning point there in that Baylor game for them to buckle down and get some things done. They come in in the Friday game. Micah Dallas is starting. He turns in six innings pitched. Allows five hits, only two runs, one of them earned. Three walks, he has five Ks, he pitches 98 pitches. And then Taylor Floyd closes it out with three solid innings pitched as well of shutout baseball. The Bears played their two runs on Saturday in the second and third. The Red Raiders played their first run in the third, but they don't play their second run until the eighth inning. Cole Stilwell draws a walk to lead off the eighth inning. Cody Masters pinch hits for Parker Kelly and hits a single up the middle. That moves the pinch runner Drew Baker around, who's pinched in for Cole Stilwell. In the second inning, Tim Tadlock pinch hit Doug Facendo for Mason Menzi, showing how aggressive he was going to be in that game. That ended up being an RBI flyout to center field for Facendo that did score the one run. So you ended up with Braxton Fulford catching after Menzi was burned with that pinch hitter. So Braxton Fulford comes in in the eighth, no outs. He draws a walk as well. All of a sudden, you have bases loaded because of good plate discipline and a nice hit by Cody Masters. And then ultimately, it's Gabe Holt who comes in and draws the RBI walk to get that second run plated. So Cody Masters with a big hit there because he puts Drew Baker 
into scoring position over there at third base. You have runners on the corner. Gabe Holt gets the RBI walk. So you go into the ninth inning, you do allow two singles to the third and fourth batters of the inning. You get a ground out to first base and a ground out to third base. And with two outs, you get back-to-back singles by the Bears. But then Taylor Floyd works out of it with a fly out to center field to end the inning, scoreless for the Bears. So you come into the ninth inning and you have a completely different look as a team. You have Josh Young has moved back over to third base, and then Gabe Holt has moved in to the shortstop position, and you have changes around in the outfield as well. You ultimately get out of trouble after allowing back-to-back two-out hits. Taylor Floyd works out with a fly-out to center field to end the inning scoreless, and you head into the bottom of the ninth with a walk-off opportunity. Brian Klein flies out to center field, and then Josh Young hits a single to left field to get a man on. Cameron Warren flies out, so with two outs, you do have a man on that could be your walk-off run. Dylan Noisy draws a walk to put two men on, And then Drew Baker comes up with a big situation as he's pinched in earlier. He hits a single to left field to load the bases. Cody Masters comes back up to bat again. Remember, it was Masters that with the single in the eighth inning that moved the runner into scoring position at third base. Then suddenly he's up again. Masters, somebody that's battled in and out of the lineup throughout the season, He steps up and works the count all the way up. It looks like he's going to draw a walk, questionable call at the plate, as happens often, it seems, in these games. And then Cody Masters, just as easy as pie, hits an RBI single right up the middle that walks off the game, and the Red Raiders win it 3-2. to So Cody Masters with a great weekend. He had a two-run home run in the Thursday game and then comes in and goes two for two in a pinch-hitting situation as well as with the walk-off single for the Red Raiders. So you walk into the Saturday game, the third game of the series, knowing you've saved your ace, Caleb Killian. You're feeling good about your chances. You also feel good because Baylor's used their two best relievers both on Thursday and Friday, so you know that they're probably a little bit depleted. I really like this Caleb Killian in the third game kind of a setup. So immediately, Gabe Holt, who I know hit the cages after the game on Friday and came out just feeling loose and looking great at the plate, I told my friend sitting there that Gabe might hit a leadoff home run, and he got close. It bent foul. He went opposite field to left field. It bent foul just at the last minute. But Gabe hits a leadoff double to the left field wall, a one-hopper out there, just a stand-up double for him to get things started. And then the Red Raiders never looked back from there. Holt ends up with two runs scored. Dylan Noisy gets on with an error in the first inning. He comes around to score. Brian Klein with an RBI single. He scores as well. You're going to hear a lot about Dylan Noisy because he had a two-home run day. He hit a grand slam in the second inning to push the Red Raiders way up, and then he came back with a walk-off home run in the seventh that ultimately put the Red Raiders up 10 in the seventh on a travel day. That's it. That's a run rule, and it was over. You also had Cameron Warren hitting a home run in the first inning and Braxton Fulford with a solo shot in the seventh. I mean, how big is it for your nine-hole hitter to come in and be able to either score a run the way he did with a home run or to continue to get on base? Fulford ended up going three for three on the day. He had a single in the second, came around to score. He had another single in the third. He walked in the fifth, and then he hit the solo home run in the seventh. Just a great day for Braxton Fulford all the way around. So then you get this big win, 
and now all of a sudden there's confidence. It looks like the team may be gelling up a little bit, and Tim Tadlock is showing them flat out, you got to always be ready. He pinch hit Doug Facendo on Friday in the second inning, and then you had guys pinching in throughout the game, pinch runners, pinch hitters. Coach Tadlock is not holding anything back. He knows what this Big 12 race means right now. The Red Raiders still look good from an RPI standpoint when you look at national standings. I think that they're still definitely in the hosting conversation for regionals. But if they want to earn that top eight national seed, they've got some work to do. They need to finish better in the Big 12 Conference. They need to get some Big 12 wins. Frankly, this Baylor series is very big, as will next weekend against the Oklahoma State Cowboys will be big as well. Not just for the Big 12, but the committee will look at wins against the top 50. Currently, the Red Raiders are 8-5 and five against RPI top 50 teams. So coming into the weekend, that was not looking as good. They're 1-3 and three against RPI top 25 teams. Would love to see that one bounce up. You do have some higher RPI teams coming up, especially with Oklahoma State. There's an opportunity there. 12-3 and three against the top 100 teams, if you're excluding those other two categories, the 51-100, to 100, they're 12-3 and three against them. So overall, when you say... Red Raiders versus top 100, you're looking at 21 and 11, so definitely not bad there, but when you start parsing it out, you'd like to see a little bit better record against that top 50, like see a little bit better record against that top 25 to prove that you are elite, which is really what the talent on this team says. It says that they're elite, so you have to have higher expectations for what they can do. So the Red Raiders did themselves a big favor. They're looking solid throughout the weekend, and I know that the loss on Thursday is frustrating to fans, but you have to think about the comeback bid that they made. I mean, yeah, your pitching struggles. You don't like seeing Lanning struggle, but I think you have a lot of other options at starting pitching over Erickson Lanning if you need that to be the case. We had a good question a few weeks ago that I asked Mike Gustafson if you might see a Duchetter type combo. You know, if Lanning's not comfortable coming out in the start, but you know he's got good stuff, maybe there's a pair-up opportunity there for him with someone else. We haven't seen a lot of Mason Montgomery recently. A little bit surprised that you haven't seen him back in the weekend rotation. I think that they're trying to just get guys starts as best they can. Micah Dallas has continued to be impressive. Caleb Killian as well. John McMillan has started to impress coming back out of the pen. That's looking really good for the Red Raiders as well. Taylor Floyd has become more of a weapon and an option coming out of the pen. And Dane Haveman continues to be solid for the Red Raiders anytime we see him which we did on in the Saturday game, he closed things out there. So lots of good positives, lots of runs scored, especially on Saturday against the Baylor Bears. They're a good team. They have good players. Wenzel was held down most of the weekend. He did hit a home run on Saturday, but overall he was only one for five on Friday, and he was three for five on Thursday, but only one run scored, no ribbies. So Overall, it's nice to see guys like that because he is a very good athletic player. He hit a home run on Saturday. He was two for three that day. But overall, limiting the damage that a guy like that does is important. And it shows that the Red Raiders are ready and willing to compete at a high level. When I look back at the Friday game in my scorebook, there were two plays defensively that kept Wenzel from getting hits. There was a ground out to Josh Young that was absolutely fantastically fielded by him. And there was a a fly out to center field that was fantastically fielded out there. So some good stuff when you're looking at an elite player like him because he is an excellent third baseman and a really strong hitter.
couple little notes about this game, some of the fun things to see. The Red Raiders did have a run rule back in 2017 over TCU. That was the third game of that series, won that one 21-3. You've had back-to-back walk-off wins, so that's pretty interesting. It's your third walk-off of the year. So you walk off in true form on the Friday game with the Cody Masters single up the middle, and then on Saturday, Dylan Noisy walks off into the run rule with that home run in the seventh inning. That's your third game with more than four home runs this season. It's been nice to see some of that power, especially recently coming back into play. Tech's 14-1 and when they score over 10 runs. You had eight Red Raiders in the starting lineup on Saturday that hit safely. Seven of them scored. And then Killian has just been excellent with consecutive series finales that he's won and has not issued a walk. Really been impressive to see what he's been doing. Killian, you know, he did struggle a little bit early in the season. He talked about that, and he talked about basically the Texas series when he had talked to the coaches and they just decided to restart. He was going to reset, restart the season. He's had six starts since then. In those six starts, he's had 31 strikeouts and only seven walks. He's got a 2.25 ERA over those last six starts. So he's pitching as well as anybody right now, really doing a great job. As far as awards for this weekend go, nobody had just a fantastic hitting weekend across all three games. But if you want to talk about a hitter of the series, I think I'm going to give that one to Cody Masters. Had the start on Thursday and did hit. The two-run home run in the fifth and then had a single in the seventh. Pretty solid day for him. He also had a sack bunt in the 11th inning that moved Cameron Warren around to second base. Those are really positives for him. It's good to see him in that start, and he was battling out there. Came in in a pinch-hitting situation for Parker Kelly on Friday and had the two big singles, including the walk-off RBI single. And then on Sunday, got the start again in left field and had the RBI double to center field in the second inning that ended up scoring a run and kind of keeping that thing rolling. So it was good to see him out there hitting, earning his spot. It's hard to argue with a guy like Masters being in the lineup. He's got the speed of his bats working. He plays outfield just fine. So I think that he's definitely a weapon and you're glad to get to see him get out there and get a little bit more time. If you want to talk about a player of the series, I think I'm going to look at that one from the standpoint of Dylan Noisy for a couple of reasons. Noisy has become basically automatic in center field. He made a fantastic catch out there, replay worthy. He jumped for the ball and ended up in a hard collision with the wall. He held onto it. That was a big one to save runs, if I do recall. Noisy just overall has been a strong player in in center field, and he's been really the best bat for the Red Raiders all season consistently. His batting average has dropped down a little bit now, but he's still hitting a .328 coming into the Thursday game. On Thursday, he had an RBI double in the eighth inning that was important as part of that comeback bid. Also drew a walk that day. When you needed him most on Friday, he drew a walk in the eighth inning, which was exactly what you needed in the situation to get runners aboard. So you had the opportunity for the easiest play you could get and the most opportunities. You were right there almost getting a walk-off walk, and you definitely had it simply from a basic ground ball up the middle. He drew two walks on Friday. And then finally on Saturday, Noisy with the error coming around to score, the grand slam, and then the walk-off home run. That was his 15th multi-hit game of the season. That was his first career walk-off. And he had a career-high six RBI in that Saturday game. Second most by a Red Raider this season. Tanner Otrimba had seven against Kentucky on February 24th. 
I know that that's a lot of hitting related stuff, but and I'm not describing everything he does in the field, but really made that fantastic catch. And he's a guy that's just ready to get out there and work. He was also in the postgame press conference, just had a really good outlook on what this team was doing, trying to stay really positive. He was joking about how he's been telling himself for two weeks he's going to have a big day, so he guesses he called it as far as the Saturday game goes. But just a good personality on him, and I think that he's your player of the series for this Baylor series. And then as far as the pitcher of the series, I definitely think I need to give that one to John McMillan. Four innings pitched, one hit, one run, one walk, four Ks in 55 pitches on Thursday. I know he gets the loss in the game, but John McMillan was one of the only reasons that you were able to claw your way back into that game because you finally had somebody in there that was limiting damage so that the Red Raiders could continue to push and get that thing tied up. So definitely feel like John McMillan gave them an opportunity to win with a really good outing for him. So the pitcher of the series for the Baylor series is John McMillan. I do want to mention a couple other players, though, that have done some really solid things for the team over the weekend. Gabe Holt went three for five on Saturday. He had a double. He had three runs scored. So he's reached base safely in 34 of 36 games. He's back into a streak on that when he's got 14 games in a row reaching base safely. That was his 14th multi-hit game of the season. And in hitting three hits, that was matching a season high. He hit his ninth double of the season. Really some strong stuff from him. So all in all, Cameron Warren, too, enjoy seeing him get out there and mix it up. He went two for three with his dinger. He had a double, four RBI, a run scored. So he's leading the team with nine home runs this season. He's one RBI shy of matching a season high, and he had his 12th multi-hit game of the year, his 14th multi-RBI game. Cameron Warren has been a really solid player. He's the only senior on this team. He's really worked his tail off out there. He also made a couple of really nice snags over there at first base, ranging both directions towards the line and into the gap, getting some balls that otherwise could have got by him. And I'll mention Brian Klein. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but continues to be Mr. Reliable for the Red Raiders. He's hitting going into the Saturday game, a 362, scored two runs and had a ribby and a single on Saturday. Had a double in his first at-bat in the first inning. Drew a walk when it mattered down there in the seventh inning as well. Just a guy that you know you can count on to get up there and do something. And he went three for six in the Thursday game going into those extra innings. Also scored a run as well. So a lot of guys starting to step up, kind of hitting their stride. You have to feel like maybe the Red Raiders have put some things together. Maybe some post-game festivities or some celebrations together. Kind of got them more on the same page, gelling up as a team after the Friday win, because they definitely came out Saturday looking strong. It was a lot of fun. Sellout crowds this weekend, really great crowds out there at Dan Lawfield at Rip Griffin Park. It was a good one. Let's go ahead and look ahead to the New Mexico Lobos coming to town for a two-game midweek. Well, if you recall, yeah, last played the New Mexico Lobos on April 2nd and 3rd in Albuquerque. You won the first game 15-6 to and lost the second one 9-12. to since then, the Lobos have had a little bit of a rough road. They were swept by San Diego State, lost a series to Nevada. But this weekend, they are coming off a series win, taking two of three from UC Riverside. They currently sit at 18-21 and 21 on the season, 7-11 in their conference. But they have won two in a row winning that series. So always a dangerous team to face. As Coach Tadlock said in the postgame press conference, New Mexico Coached by Ray Birmingham, always able to hit. He says he's never seen a Ray Birmingham team that doesn't hit well. 566 total runs scored since 2000 facing that team all the way back to 2000. So lots of runs. Average runs in this game is eight. 
against the New Mexico Lobos. The Lobos still are impressive offensively. Jared Mang continues to lead them. He's got 48 runs scored on the season. He leads them in that category as well as hits with 62. 28 of those are extra base hits. He's got 43 RBI leading them by far as well, leading them or close to it in walks with 23 on the season. He's slugging a 637. He's got a 395 batting average in his 39 games. Connor Mang is also doing fantastic, a 362 on the season. He's got 29 runs scored, 54 hits. 18 of his are extra base hits, 34 RBI, slugging a 544. He's got 16 walks, also just doing a great job. They have several folks, basically all of their regular starters batting above 300, as we expected they would be. Really just a strong hitting team, always getting out there and mixing it up offensively. That's what hurt the Red Raiders last time. The midweek pitching was not able to hold them down in the second game. You hold them to six runs. I mean, you score 15 on that Tuesday game, April 2nd, but the Wednesday game, not able to hold them down, lose it 9-12. to So looking for them to come in and for the Red Raiders to stay right here, need to get those midweek games, can't be dropping any games at this point, especially at home when it's to lesser competition. The Lobos' last midweek game was actually a game against New Mexico State that went to extra innings that they ended up losing. Prior to that, they had another game canceled, so they actually haven't played a midweek outside of that one New Mexico State game since the last time they faced Texas Tech at the beginning of April. Jack Morano started that one of those midweek games against the Red Raiders going two and a third. He was relieved by Brian Coffey, who went two and two-thirds. I would assume you will see Morano start again, as he also got the start going two and a third against the New Mexico State Aggies. Otherwise, it's kind of a guess. Kenneth Waller got the other start against Texas Tech last time. You also see guys like Blake Walden getting some time in there. Brian Coffey, another one that I mentioned. Nico Garza, another that has a few starts. Drew Gillespie as well. Really, once you get past their starting rotation guys for the weekend, there's a lot of pretty big ERAs. But again, against an offense like theirs, they can definitely put up the runs and really push you if your pitching isn't on and your bats aren't backing them up. So got to see some good things out of the Red Raiders. Need the momentum to continue after this Baylor series. The homestand against Oklahoma State will be very important in the Big 12 standings as well as for the RPI. So on Tuesday, April 23rd, they'll be coming to Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. That one will be on Fox Southwest Plus. First pitch will be at 6.30 p.m. On Wednesday, April 24th, that'll be a 2 p.m. game. You can find that one on Texas Tech TV and both of those on the Texas Tech Sports Network, Double T 97.3, as usual. And then you'll have the Oklahoma State Cowboys come into town next weekend. Two of those games will be televised beyond Texas Tech TV, the Saturday and Sunday game, ESPNU and Fox Southwest Plus. Should be an exciting time. Things rocking. You'll continue the homestand with a two-game midweek against UT Rio Grande Valley. Then you head to Norman to face the Oklahoma Suitors in a three-game weekend series. And then you come back home for your final five. You'll have a doubleheader on May 7th against Florida International and then close out your regular season hosting the TCU Horn Frogs, who are currently ranked number 19 in the country. So a lot of baseball left to be played, a lot of fun left to be had out there at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park. Hopefully the Red Raider bats continue working and that midweek pitching is able to hold down what we're going to see from the New Mexico Lobos. That's going to do it for me in this recap episode. Appreciate you hanging with me. Thank you as always for all the support that you show, both the podcast and me in general. Appreciate y'all on Twitter. 
those that jumped into the conversations that were had and that were those of you that were reasonable and thoughtful. That's what always we want to do. That's what want things to look like. So I do appreciate that. I won't be able to make those midweek games because of work and other baseball obligations, but I'll definitely be there watching the Red Raiders play the Oklahoma State Cowboys. So if I don't see you before then, we'll see you at Danlaw Field at Rip Griffin Park next weekend. Make sure you don't miss those midweek games as well. Y'all have a good one. Be safe. Enjoy baseball. Until then, wreck them. Thanks for tuning in to Dinger Derby and sharing our love for Texas Tech Red Raider baseball. You can connect with Keith on Twitter at Dinger underscore Derby and find more Texas Tech sports content at stakingtheplains.com. Help us out by rating us and leaving a review on iTunes. And remember to tell your friends about the show. Keith will be back next week with another episode of Dinger Derby. And until then, wreck of tech. Keep your hand on your gun. Don't you trust anyone There's just one kind of man that you can trust That's a dead man or a gringo like me Be the first one to fire Every man is a liar There's just one kind of man who tells the truth That's a dead man or a gringo like me